Today's book of the day, TV show. Some of you are listening, some of you, most of you hopefully are watching. Got a fascinating book because everybody wants to know, what's the healthiest diet in the world? Nothing's more controversial than food, diets, the morality, the ethics, the science, the biology. So this book, Diet Cults uh, by Matt Fitzgerald, shed some very interesting light into this subject because, you know, if you want the good life, can't be like this guy that I know, an acquaintance. He's a, worth about $2 billion. He has a private 747 jet, uh, but he's so sick that he can't even get out of bed. So if I said to you right now, I will, uh, you could trade places with him. Literally, you'll wake up tomorrow and there'll be uh, nine figures, uh, nine zeros behind your bank account balance, all right? $1 billion or $2 billion, but you have to do a full exchange with him. So you have to be bedridden, so overweight, you can basically not move, you know, high, high blood pressure, all these, I don't even know all the health issues, but would you do it? And the answer I think is pretty clearly no. Nobody wants all that if you can't use it, right? So the first priority, or I wouldn't necessarily say the first, in getting the, your, the good life, health, wealth, love, and happiness, you have to have health in check because without it, it's five steps forward and 50 steps back. So what does this author say about, uh, about food? Now, I'm not, obviously we only have a little bit of time together here. I'm actually, this is a book you can, I'm offering this as the book of the day deal by the way, so there should be a link at some point right on this video or below this video. Uh, and you, you can buy this book now directly from me. I've got it, deals with the publishers now. You get it at about the same price or even cheaper than you're gonna get online or at a bookstore. Plus, I'm gonna throw in about $100 worth of free bonuses. So don't just buy the book anywhere because you don't get the $100 worth of free bonuses. I'll tell you what those are later, but they're cool. Uh, okay, so, Here's what he says. Let's just jump right into this. <clears throat> he says, in his opinion, at this point, he's kind of going through the history of us humans. He says, our species emerged as the master omnivore of planet Earth, capable of extremely diverse eating, but also dependent on dietary diversity, both physically and psychologically. We are not koala bears that can blithely thrive on eucalyptus leaves alone. So I'm sure you're coming to this with some uh, opinions on food, right? But he's just starting with facts. He's saying that it is a fact that for much of history, your great, 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 great grandparents were omnivores, right? So you might be a vegan watching this, vegetarian, pescatarian, paleo, fruititarian, Atkins diet, macrobiotic, blah, blah, blah. But you have to admit, at some point, the diet of humans uh, was clearly very wide ranging. I was just on Joel Salatin's farm, the famous farmer, my first apprentice. He, he was in the movie Food, Inc. If you haven't seen that, he's the good guy. And we were out in the fields with pigs and uh, he keeps them instead of in a big confinement, you know, cement factory farm. He keeps them out 
in the pig in the woods where pigs are naturally uh, uh, acclimated to, and so these pigs are walking around, and of course he gives them some feed, some corn and grain, but you could see these pigs are eating, you know, acorns and this and that, and they're eating grubs in the earth, and they're, uh, you know, pretty much for they eat grass. There was one eating some grass right in front of me, and humans have a very similar stomach to pigs. That's why sometimes they use, uh, if someone has health issues and they need a drastic operation, they'll use pig parts, I forget what it is, intestines or whatever. So pigs are omnivores, and in a certain sense, humans are. Now, you might argue, but is that the best, the best diet? Well, we're going to get into that in this book. Uh, so <clears throat> he goes on talking about why he called this book Diet Cults. He says, I believe, and by the way, this is how I keep my notes. People often ask, I, I'm pretty old school. You might, I just kind of have circles and draw. Let's see if we can zoom in on that if you're wondering. You know, so I, and if it's a special, you know, especially important, poignant part, I'll, I'll circle it and write a word next to it. I'm not crazy about writing notes in a certain... I make sure the notes serve me that I don't serve the notes. So uh, Anyway, so he says, he called this book Diet Cult because he believes cult is the best way to identify a way of eating that is morally based, identity forming, community building, and viewed by its followers as superior to all other ways of eating. So he gives the example of Judaism. And the Judy, uh, and Judaism had various laws. If you've read the Old Testament of the Bible, or uh, you will see that it talks a lot about, um, you know, specific ways, the morality of eating, uh, and so in this book, he's defining it once again. So whenever you meet somebody who's talking to you about diet, begin to listen to what they say. Is it starting to move into the realm of moral? morality? Do you see them forming their identity? You know, you see that in health. You know, people are CrossFit or people are bodybuilders or people are marathon runners or bikers or whatever. Um, so you see that they form their identity from what they eat if they're vegan, vegetarian, paleo. Are they community building? Meaning this is their little tribe that they hang out with. Uh, and do they view it as superior to all other ways of eating. And I would say you and I probably easily have fallen into that category of being in a cult. Now, he's not necessarily saying being in a diet cult is something wrong, uh, evil. It's just his definition. It certainly has character similarity. So what is the best diet? So he starts going in and just talking about the types of eaters in the world. That's a word I guess I made, made up, eaters. <laughs> he said there's pleasure eaters. And then he says there's a subcult within pleasure eaters. He says they're the fat, salt, sweet uh, subcult or the foodie subcult. He said members of both groups strongly identify with their way of eating and regarded as superior. Fat, salt, sweet people are people who live principally on fast food, snack, chips, so drinks, processed meat, sugary breakfast foods, 
and other so-called foods. Such people often express disdain for other foods. They may turn down an invitation to eat sushi on the grounds that sushi is not real food or proudly assert, assert that Diet Coke is the only thing they drink. This is obviously how millions of people, if you look how overweight most people are in the world. So then he says the foodies, on the other hand, turn down their nose at the fat, salt, sweet people. Some of the most pretentious foodies go so far as to deny they like the taste of fast food. The less pretentious ones merely contend that fine cooked food tastes good in a sophisticated way, whereas junk food goes tastes good in a crude way. So I probably would be more in the category of foodie. So I've discovered that I've been in a cult here, according to this author. Uh, so he says, it's interesting to note that pleasure eaters of both types, okay, whether you're a foodie or a junk foodie, they tend to eat more or less the same way their parents did. That's interesting because that's very similar to like religion and politics. Most people, and you may argue this about your, but let's just, let's just break down the ego. Let's not be trapped in the, one of the 25 cognitive biases, which is called delusion bias, okay? What politics and religion do you naturally lean towards? And let's throw in the third one now, what diet? I bet you, it, the, uh, how does it go? The, the apple hasn't trade, uh, strayed far from the tree. Certainly for me, I grew up around Judeo-Christian kind of, you know, mom and uh, grandmother, and I tend to be Judeo-Christian, right? Diet, my mom was super into health. My dad was a pro bodybuilder, super into health, and uh, I certainly tend to be more of a foodie, so to speak, in this politics. So I didn't grow up around super political parents, and that's probably why I'm not super political. <laughs> so we tend to think that we're our own person. You know, Dr. Helen Fisher calls this your mental map. For those of you, I was just recording, if you're in my business uh, entrepreneur program on how to live the entrepreneur lifestyle, uh, I was talking about, um, uh, you know, how you find the career you should do. Like uh, Thomas Carlyle said, the great poet writer, he said, Blessed is the one who finds his work, their work. If you can find the right career, you know, 60, 70% of the battle of happiness uh, has been won, but most people can't. And you might struggle and go, well, am I doing the right thing? And one of the ways is to look at that mental map that was given you, like Dr. Helen Fisher talks about. You can use those clues to find what you should be doing. But we're not talking about business now. We're talking about food. By the way, uh, this is my first show of the day. There's one more uh, a program that I do after this. I take a, This is a half-hour show. <clears throat> then I do five minutes, uh, and I'm going to be doing a live call on how to get a million people to pay attention to your business idea. And so it's the new rules of marketing. So there should be a button here at some point, and you can register for that. Uh, it's free. Five, six hundred people come on every day on those and uh, lots of good stuff for you. So I'll do this diet cult and then I take a five minute break to drink my green drink and eat some food and then I'll be on after that. But anyway, so back to this. <clears throat> he says, this is interesting. He said, 
Even though those who do not follow any explicit cultural rules of eating obey implicit rules set by their social environment, the lion's share of our modern dietary freedom of choice go unused. He's just basically saying, there's a lot more type of food you could be eating, but you're pretty much constrained. We call that bounded rationality. You put boundaries about, even though you're a rational creature and you could be eating grubs from like they eat on the savannah of Africa, you could be eating, you know, fish eyeballs or something like they do in Asia, but we pretty much constrain, if you go in your refrigerator, it's not that diverse usually, right? You're not eating reindeer like I did when I went to Norway too often. You're not eating, you know, you're not having a kashaka or whatever, the uh, drink that they have that much, Brazil, let's say, right? We're still pretty much constrained. You're not eating whale blubber like Eskimos. It's important to understand that because a lot of us think, no, we're not in a diet cult. We're completely following our own free choice. But is that really true? Because just do the math. If you're eating pretty similar to what you grew up with, now maybe you've evolved a little past that, but if you are still generally within that constraint, uh, you have to ask yourself, are you really exercising all the options available to you? So he says, now there's a new cult, a cult of healthy eating has sprung up in counterpoint to the cult of pleasure eating. New rules for healthy eating, uh, of course, rules for healthy eating have existed as long as any rules for eating have ever been on the planet. But the cult of healthy eating is something relatively new. It did not emerge until the old ethnically based diet cults had faded away and the health consequences of pleasure eating had become manifest. So if you go throughout history, traditionally, you know, if you were Jewish, you followed kind of a regimen uh, that was a, a, had rules about what you ate. Many different groups, Native Americans had taboo foods. We came through a time though in the modern times, let's say the last five or 10 decades, the last hundred years or so, traditional diets have faded away, corporations, have found new ways to create new types of food unheard of when my grandma, who's still alive, she's 96, she's born in 1918, she tells me what, she said she never even went to a restaurant, you know, for the first 30 years of her life. Hard for you and I to realize restaurants are new. Joel Salatin, if you haven't gotten the book, uh, I did a book of the day deal, you can still pick up the book on my site, it's called uh, Folks This Ain't Normal. Joel Salatin talks about grocery stores are only things that really started being prevalent after the 1940s, 50s, and 60s, okay? There was a, maybe a general store, but people were growing and cooking their own food. So because of that, when the corporations came in at some point in the grocery stores, they began to make really good tasting food like sodas and potato chips by adding. If you haven't read the book I recommend on my, my book list, it's called, uh, um, uh, salt, sugar, fat by the Pulitzer Prize winning uh, author. And he basically says, you know, these corporations are extremely good at making food almost impossible to resist. Like that Pringles commercial, you know, where it's like, you can't put it down. Uh, you, or I challenge you to only eat one. You can't eat one because they add additives. They do things, scientific thing called increased mouth, uh, they call I think mouth feel and all these, these sugar saturation points that they know how to reach. So what he's saying is once the corporations came in, they were able to give us such enticing food that they turned us into pleasure eaters. You see that a lot. 
Look what people eat in 60s, 70s, 80s. You know, you had people eating Twinkies and Wheaties and Fruit Loops and all this kind of processed stuff. Now there's been a backlash in the last, maybe it's really grown in the, let's say the last 10 to 20 years of people, you know, now you see organic in every grocery store. You didn't see that 20 years ago. <clears throat> and that follows, if you read, uh, I talked, yeah, I think yesterday on the TV show on the book where good ideas come from. And uh, there's something called the 10-10 rule. It takes about 10 years for new technologies, new ideas to be developed and 10 years from the reach mass adoption. So you see that it took, took 10, 20 years for this new thing, which is he calls healthy eating. So he says the recruiting programs of the health diet cults consist almost entirely of efforts to convince you that their diet is the one true way to eat for maximum physical health. He said, so vegetarians, for example, say that their way, vegetarianism, is the healthiest way because science has proven that animal foods can cause heart disease and other health problems. But meanwhile, low-carb diet advocates say their way is the healthiest way to eat because carbohydrates are scientifically proven to cause obesity and diabetes. Not to be outdone, proponents of the paleo diet say that, according to evolutionary logic, all foods that enter the human diet after our days as hunter-gatherers, including grains, dairy, and legumes, are bad for us. Now, we're going to get to the crux of this. Make sure, by the way, uh, hopefully you've noticed my nice napkin, which I use as my, I don't know why this is my, I never have very nice bookmarks, but we're going to get to the crux to this, and I want you to pick up this book. I've got a link right under here. It's not very expensive. Uh, this is the hardback version, but I think we're selling a, a softback version. So you don't have to, there's no reason really to have a hardback all the time. But get this book, double down on yourself. You live in a world where you're bombarded by people wanting you to make them rich, invest in them. Uh, the first rule of financial independence and wealth creation is invest in the right place at the right time with the right amount. What's the right place to invest first? In yourself, in your brain. When you listen to music, you're making Justin Bieber and Rihanna and whatever, Tim McGraw, you're making them rich. When you watch sports, you're making the networks rich and they pass that money right down to the sports teams and the pro athletes. The baseball player who just signed a $300 million contract, a third of a billion dollars, you made him rich. Uh, when you go shopping this holiday season, and you think you're buying gifts for somebody, you are buying gifts for them, but they probably won't use them that much if you buy toys for kids and this kind of stuff. But what you did do is make toy companies rich, like that uh, 16 or 17 year old kid now who has a $10 million a year toy company. There's nothing wrong with any of those things in and of themselves if they're done to the right amount. You should put the majority of money back into yourself, your family, your loved ones. Books are the best way to do that for the lowest amount of money, okay? Get this one. Everybody talks about what to eat. You're going to be in the know. You're going to not be swept aside by one person's opinion. You're going to actually know what you're talking about. So he says, Matt Fitzgerald says, now science had really proven conclusively that there was only one clearly defined healthiest way to eat or that a particular diet was indisputably the healthiest. Then the competitive marketplace of healthy diet cults we are surrounded by would not exist. 
He's saying nobody would be able to argue that vegetarianism is better than veganism or is better than paleo or is better than macrobiotic or raw foods. But science has not yet identified the healthiest way to eat. In fact, it has come as close to possible, because you can't prove a negative, to confirming that there is no such thing as the healthiest diet. To the contrary, science has established quite definitively that humans are able to thrive equally well on a variety of diets. Adaptability is the hallmark of man as eater. For us, many diets are good, while none is perfect. Uh, Marianne Nessel, one of the most prominent nutrition scientists of her generation, wrote, The range of healthy nutrient intake is broad, and foods from the earth, tree, or animal can be combined in a seemingly infinite number of ways to create diets that meet health goals. Now, don't be confused. This is not to say that some foods are health, not healthier than others. Clearly, all the science confirms eating a Big Mac or a Twinkie is not as good for you as eating a carrot. No one would argue. Which, by the way, this book doesn't necessarily talk about, but one thing I've done personally on this journey to try to figure this out for myself is I've read every book. And one of the things you must do that Charles Darwin did that made him such a preeminent scientist, so head and shoulders above his peers, was he always looked for what's called disconfirming evidence. So whatever diet you believe in, I want you to try to disprove yourself. Now you say, why am I going to do that, Ty? I'm already sure of myself. Well, you know, it's the mark of an advanced mind to not be too sure of yourself. Because I remember when I, I remember I was 10 years old, I was watching cartoons, or even younger, I was watching cartoons with my mom. I remember I was in San Diego at this house we had in Claremont, and in, in San Diego. And I said, Mom, why don't you come watch cartoons with me? There's Woody Woodpecker. And she said, no, Ty, I don't really like cartoons. I'm an adult. And I was like, I remember to this day being incredulous, being like, what do you mean? She goes, you know, Ty, one day you won't like cartoons so much. And I remember thinking to myself, I don't think I said it. I remember thinking, oh, I will always love cartoons. Now, of course, my mom was right. I haven't watched cartoons for, you know, since I was (laughs) a little kid. But I was so sure of myself. But sure enough, the intensity with which you believe something in no way makes it more likely to be true. You can emphatically believe two plus two is five, and you could be willing to die for it. You could have that much conviction, but doesn't make you right. So in the same way, uh, try to disprove whatever you believe about politics, whatever you believe about diet, whatever you believe about religion, whatever you believe uh, about any strongly held belief. Because if it's true and you put the fire to it, if it's really gold, fire doesn't destroy gold. Fire destroys impure elements that dissipate. You know, if you got a little bit of wood or paper on gold and you put fire, the paper, the worthless paper evaporates. But the solid gold stays. So don't be afraid to disprove what you believe. You'll only be better for it. I talked about if you're on my book of the day, make sure you're on my, uh, if you're on my site here, if you're listening uh, to a replay of this live show, make sure you're on my book of the day email list. It's absolutely free. One, it reaches 1.4 million people every day in 40 countries. And it, I don't want you to join it just to 
because it's mine. I want you to join it because we go through the world's smartest thinkers, the great thinkers, the experts on different subjects. Nobody in the world is 7 billion people. And technology like we have now is an expert at everything. So the book of the day email summaries that I send, they're not about me. They're about you getting ideas straight from the source. Use them to disprove. And one of the things I talked about yesterday is one of the things that will make you make mistakes, the way your brain is miswired for the current world we live in, is we like to stay committed to whatever we believe because we pat ourselves on the back and go, oh, I'm a committed person. I don't waffle back and forth. Well, I was reading Frederick uh, Nietzsche in his man, book, Man Alone, it was with himself. He says, people, many people are obstinate about the path, not as many people about the destination. So your goal for diet should not be to get into a diet cold and say, I am vegan, I am paleo, I am you know raw, I am whatever that whatever I'm Atkins. What you should be enamored with is what you're trying to get, which is be lean and healthy. That's what you want to slow down aging or reverse aging in some uh, some uh, uh, some cases. He says, why do people jump into one diet? He said, well, the short answer is that people believe what they want to believe. The complete answer is that people want to believe that a certain way of eating is the best way because it gives them a sense of identity and a feeling of belonging. It's the work of that old non-saying human impulse to eat according to the rules of a special group, which is often much stronger than reasoning. Now listen, he says, the way that diet cults work, we're conditioned to think of heating as a rational choice. Step one, the benefits are explained to us. Step two, we're convinced of the benefits. Step three, we make a rational decision. We think that's what it is. But he says, well, let's think about it. I knew a fellow, he says, named Richard, who had become a vegan when he was 40 years old. Previously, he had been an abject pleasure eater. He had eaten whatever. But now veganism had existed a lot longer than nutrition science had existed in his mind. Its origins are not scientific, but spiritual. Only fairly recently have vegans started justifying their way of eating on scientific ground. My friend did a lot of reading on the science of veganism and came away believing that veganism was the correct way to eat. But this happened only after he had given up animal foods. And of course, he cherry-picked his sources of information. He ignored experts like Walter Willett at the Harvard School of Public Health and he went straight to gurus like Caldwell Esselton, a man who could never even get a job at the Harvard School of Public Health. The nutrition science mainstream does not believe it is necessary to go vegan to attain maximum health. The real reason Richard became a vegan was that he was a man of extremes. A successful entrepreneur, a recovered alcoholic, and he knew that in order to successfully leave behind his bad eating habits, he had to choose an extreme alternative. The extremism of veganism appealed to his personality. Now, let me just say here, before I get too much angry comments, this book is not an attack on any diet. He's not saying veganism is good or bad. There is no good or bad. There's a wide variety of foods we should eat, and there are some foods for sure we shouldn't eat. If you look at a book uh, Weston Price uh, wrote, in the early 1900s where he traveled around the world to the healthiest people, people who lived the longest, okay, before they got the modern diet. You see, one, we do know scientifically processed foods are pretty universally unhealthy for you. There's some exceptions because cooking is processing food, but modern Cheetos and thousand ingredient pieces of food you eat. But when Weston Price traveled around the world, he was very surprised. He found 
no vegans or vegetarians. Now, again, I'm not attacking that. I am not an expert on what diet, but I'm just telling you what he found. And he found that, you know, people that lived to past 100 years old in Italy ate diets high in fats and, you know, beans and this. And people in the Caucasus Mountains in the Ukraine and Russia were living past 100, very healthy, and they were eating dairy and yogurt. And the Hunzas in India were eating goat meat and goat cheese and, and glaciated water they were drinking. And Eskimos were eating blubber. You see, it's harder to find a universal law. I think there are universal laws. Read wide, be eclectic in what you read, and ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. Look deeper into diets. Try to disprove yourself. I think when I read all the different books that I've read on diet, there's some universals. They all agree you should eat a lot of vegetables, whether you're paleo, Arnold Schwarzenegger bodybuilder, or vegan or vegetarian. So I believe that it, all science and all cults would agree you need a lot of vegetables. You need things like water. Keep minimum you know, processed foods and sugar. We know this. Beyond that, there's a lot up for grabs, okay? You look for the answers. Now, some of you are in the health industry. That's what you do for a living. Some of you are entrepreneurs. Some of you are here on it's a weekend. You have off from work. You're happy, but you're dreading tomorrow because it's Monday. Well, stay tuned. Because after this, and by the way, there should be a, a link now. Uh, you can get this book on my site. If you happen to miss the button, go there. You'll see a link to the uh, book, just tylopez.com, the book deal. You can get this book deal plus my bonuses. I'm giving you seven bonuses on how to read faster. I recorded a smart reading technique. I've got my own notes on the book so you can read this faster, give you summaries. Plus, we'll ship a new copy of this directly to you pretty much wherever you live in the world. There's a few countries you can't ship to, but not many. Uh, and the, so what I was saying about, you know, you're here on the weekend, maybe Monday's coming up, uh, right after this is over and there should be a button right now for you to register free for a private seminar. This is my public TV show. It's available to everybody. But now for those of you highly interested, how can you live the entrepreneur lifestyle? That's the dream that they say about 90% of people in the world at some point wish they had, but about five, maybe 10% of the world ever tastes. If you want a taste of that, maybe you're already an entrepreneur, but you're not prosperous enough. You gotta get to prosperity and wealth and impact. You gotta have enough net profit. <clears throat> if you're working for somebody else, if you're working for the man, check out in five minutes where I'm talking about how to get a million people to pay attention to your business idea because you're gonna have to know how to market. It's one of the four P's of business. Product, pricing, promotions. I don't care how good your idea is, if nobody sees it, you will always be in financial scarcity. So we're talking about the new rules of marketing. Click the button here uh, below and uh, I'll see you in about five minutes. Talk to you soon. Oh, one last thing. If you're watching this, answer, if you're watching on a page, if you're listening wherever on iTunes maybe, leave a comment wherever you can or email it to me at Ty, Ty Lopez dot com or put it on at Ty Lopez Twitter. What's an example of a diet cult idea or concept you've been swept up in, maybe incorrectly? Okay. And number two, how are you going to resolve to look a little deeper into finding the mix, the diet, 
that matches your body. Because Dr. Sheryl Molem, I didn't have time to get into this in his book, Inheritance, he says, the truth is individual DNA is very different and the future will be customized diets designed just for you. So that's a little food for thought. See you in a few minutes on the uh, next book, uh, on the uh, marketing seminar. Talk to you soon.